Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, folks. Happy Tuesday. Um, just a little technical thing here. Um, we keep seeing when we start the uh, hangout here, the, the, the show, that there's going to be some changes to uh, a little technical. Oop, there you go. <laughs> just move on. I can't. I'm sorry. <sighs> sorry, I just can't do it. Um, that on August 1st, that uh, the, the system that we're using for our webcasts and podcasts uh, is going to be going away. And there's another option here. It's uh, some sort of webcam through YouTube. I don't know whether that saves it to, we're going to have to experiment with it a little bit. So there might be some changes here uh, in early August, but we'll, we'll, we'll keep you updated. But I think, I think it should be okay. Cause we've gone through the, the change out from Google Hangouts to Hangouts on air through YouTube. And there was no problem at all, but just to, as a forewarning. Um, okay, Ross, uh, pre-show stuff. So pre-show. Um, so yesterday, you know, your New York Yankees got beaten Single-handedly by Travis Darno mm-hmm. for hitting three home runs. Three home runs. Three home runs. Three home runs. Now the now, echo. What? There's a big echo. I don't. I haven't heard a thing. All right, I'm going to back out and come back in. Okay. While he does that, I'll just uh, I'll just uh, talk about the fact that yes, the Yankees lost because Travis Darno, a marginal catcher who was part of the. R.A. Dickey, Noah Syndergaard deal. He was the throw-in. He hit three home runs yesterday, and this is this is the problem that I have. And when Russ comes back, I'll 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 talk about this. When somebody hits two home runs in a game, solo shots, and he comes up in the ninth inning, and I know you have Chapman in there, your closer, who's got a ninety-two percent save rate. Why aren't you? I mean, especially on a three-two count, the guy's the hottest player that night. Why are you throwing him a hanging slider? Either you throw a hundred mile an hour fastball, or you throw one in his ear. You don't. You don't. You don't groove a, a slider over the plate that he hits into the right field stands. I mean, I'm not saying throw at him. I'm not saying. I'm not saying bean him. I'm saying don't give him a pitch that he can hit out of the park. And that that was the problem. I didn't see it. I was listening to the game on on the radio or on the over online on the at bat uh, app and. Um, I couldn't believe that they gave him a pitch to hit. If it was a slider in the dirt, fine. Then he swings and misses. And if not, you got the bases loaded and two out. And I don't even know who the heck was up after him. But no, oh, Tommy. I think it was Tommy Pham that was up after him. So it's you know it was a bad job by Chapman and the Yankees. Yeah, no question. But Chapman's going to blow some games. I mean, that's it's going to happen. End of the day, though, for writers of the Post, and I think even in other outlets. To jump on the Mets because Darnold had a good game is idiotic for a couple of different reasons. For one thing, Wilson Ramos is a better run producer. Now, has he had a great season? No. But Travis Darno's had a good game, and he's got six homers and still like 127 at-bats. That's the best part of his game, and he hit 50% of his homers yesterday. So that's one thing. The other thing is he still stinks behind the plate. I don't care about his pitch framing baloney 
He still can't throw anybody out, and he drops a lot of balls. So at the end of the and, day, Ramos doesn't do any of that, and he throws runners out. And Darno has been a walking injury for most of his yeah. career. Yeah. Um, and so for the flip-flop here, really shame on the media who just now just feel like it's just – let's just dump on the Mets because we might as well. we got to try and get readers somehow. Come up with some better stories. That's really lazy. You know, you know as well as I do, the coverage of the Mets is going to drop off the face of the earth after July 31st because the only narrative right now is trades. And by, and by right. the way, um, Omar Manaya was spotted in Scranton uh, watching a Yankee prospect who they just called up from Double A AA to Triple A. I think his name is uh, Garcia, Devi Garcia, or Devil Garcia. Okay. Um, and you know, Manaya was there, and Manaya still works for the Mets. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know if that, and we can translate this to hockey. There are certain organizations that will never trade with each other. One of them being the Buffalo Sabres and the Toronto Maple Leafs, because the ramifications of that deal, if it turns out bad for Buffalo in Buffalo would be tantamount to a nuclear explosion. Because if you like, say for example, and we'll talk about Ristolainen in, 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 during the show. But if the Sabers had, tra- had traded Rasmus Ristolainen to Buffalo to, to, to Toronto, and Ristolainen becomes a Norris Trophy caliber defenseman, the general manager may as well quit because he'll never live it down, and the Buffalo media will eat him alive. That's why the two teams have not made a meaningful trade since the Grant Fuhrer, Dave Andrewchuk deal back in 93. And the, I think the last deal they did was Dominic Moore for a second round pick. So they just don't trade with each other because they're in the same division. They're 90 miles away from each other. Toronto is in Buffalo's media market all the time. It would be too, the, the ramifications would be too much. I think that's the same thing with the Mets. The Mets haven't done a deal and the, with the Yankees since what Robin Ventura for. No, uh, they've had deals since then. That's that's the thing. So let's talk minor, about minor ones, right? Minor. Like this year was Lee Mazzilli's son. That's a very minor one. Um, yeah. The Yankees purchased a pitcher from the Mets. That's a minor one. Now, Mike Stanton for Felix Heredia. That's a little bit more than Mike, you know, than minor. Not John Carlos Stanton. Mike Stanton. Mike Stanton, right. But Mike Stanton was a good reliever. I mean, it's not like he was garbage. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Six years. But that was I mean, right. I mean, he was part of the he was part of the four World Series. That was in 04. Right. Then they had the Benitez trade. That was in 03, and then the Ventura trade. I forgot that Armando Armando Benitez. Uh, everybody likes to forget that one or wants to. The, yeah. the other interesting thing was the most fascinating one was when the Yankees traded David Justice to the Mets for Ventura because Justice then got retraded, never even put on a Mets uniform, never had a, a press conference, never did anything as a Met. He got traded to Oakland, right? That was part yeah. of the money ball. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But, but it was interesting because he was it was sort of like Piazza in Florida, but even quicker because at least Piazza got a few at-bats in Florida. Yeah, it was like a week. It was like 10 days in between – yeah. His 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 storied uh, storied career with the Marlins. All right, uh, we'll get started. Uh, we should be joined at some point by Peter Tessier, uh, who has been away on a golf vacation. That when he gets the, done uh, driving people around. <laughs> yes, the Tessier taxi. I mean, that's uh, I know. it's like listen. If you want best reason not to have kids, so you're not a limo service for them. 
Yeah, and by and by the way, I'm going to I'm going to Yankee Stadium this weekend to see the Yankees play. You know, their their great rival, the Colorado uh, Rockies. Um, and Russ, just just by happenstance, it will be the hottest day of the year in the Bronx. It's supposed to be 99 degrees that oh, day. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, but but I I had some foresight. I nothing like the smell of hot garbage on the streets of the Bronx. The the the, t- the the seat the seats that I got are in the right field bleachers, right next to the over the uh, the overhang of the second deck. So I'll be sitting in the shade, which is oh, a that's good. Good for you. That's that's a smart move on your part. Yes. Hello, hockey world. Today is Tuesday. Ah! I almost did it. But at least I got the day right. Tuesday, July 16th, 2019. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. All right, we'll start hold with on, some hold on. I'm stopping yeah, yeah. right now. Funky yeah. Cold Zadina is going to get booted out of the chat room. He's saying this is like Joe Jackson talking with Moonlight Graham. One more comment out of you, and we're blocking your app. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like I'm sorry, I, I don't remember your name, and there's a reason for it. But whoever in the commentary yesterday decided that uh, he's like, there's too much Leaf talk here. Mike's never gotten one thing right about the Leafs. Well, screw you for one thing. Second of all, when it, when we're in the summer, and there is news about Mar about Mitch Marner, which there was on Friday. We're going to talk about it. If you don't like if you don't like hearing about Leaf stuff just as much as other stuff, go watch something else. Okay. Actually, so Funky Cold Zadina said it was a different conversation. It seemed like it was pointed at us. So my bad. Am I shoeless Joe? Am I like a South I don't Carolina? Know. They, you know, we, I heard the Waldorf, you know, one the other day in Statler. So I thought that that was a continuation. Well, uh, that one I don't mind because no. you know. That's, fine. It, that's accurate. Um, okay, some signings in the league. We'll talk. We'll talk a few. Uh, the few qualifying offers that were interesting. Um, but we'll start with Andre Burakovsky signing a one-year deal with the Colorado Avalanche. He was traded. I believe it was for a third-round pick from Washington. They couldn't fit his salary uh, in after you know a couple pretty good years with the Capitals. Yeah. Um, Russ, I, this is about what I expect in terms of salary for Burakovsky. Yeah, I think I think they got the salary right, but I also think they got a tremendous bargain. And like this is getting a prospect you didn't have to develop, who I feel like never got enough meaningful ice time where he was. Look at last season as an example. This is a guy who had 12 goals. He had 11:08 of ice time, and let's see, power play wise, he had. One power play goal, and he had no power play assist. So he probably got like a few seconds on some on power plays. On the second power play, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so if you think about his production there, that's pretty good. Shooting percentage was 12%. The year before, um, 13 and a half, he had 12 goals. Shooting percentage was 14.3. Uh, at that time, he had two power play assists, no power play goals. So he's basically doing most of what he's doing at even strength. Just think about what that does for Colorado because they will add him to the second power play. Like they got a really good player here. I'm not saying he's going to score 30 goals, but I'm saying 20 wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I mean, five years in the NHL, 22 in 53 games, 38 
in 79 games, 35 and 64 games, and last two years, 25 and 25. I mean, it's not awe-inspiring. Hey, Peter. No, but don't you feel like on that team he was pushed down a bit? No, he was a third line guy, and I think yeah. he's I think he's better than that. So yeah. we're talking about, we're talking about Burakovsky, Peter, uh, who yeah. signed a one deal Great with the signing for the Abs. Yeah, yeah. I now mean, he's, he's gonna make him drive him everywhere. That's what I've heard. <laughs> okay, let's move on from that. But uh, I think there's a chance that Burakovsky could be a second a second line guy with, with yeah, there's a chance Colorado. And if he and if he is, then he's probably gonna hit a bigger payday next year. If he scores 20 goals and you know puts up 45 to 50 points, then he's gonna be rewarded for it. And he's still under control for I think another year or another year at least. Yeah. So this is an interesting development. Sorry. Mm-hmm. For the Capitals, because when I'm with my work right now with uh, EP Rankside, they're ranked 31st. We um, we did like a company-wide ranking of their prospects, and they came up 31st. So, you know, they used to be close to the top. Yeah, they've cleaned out most of their minors. I mean, their best prospect is probably, what, Samsonov? And then Samsonov is their best. And then Alexi, Alexi of the defenseman. Yeah, the next one, yeah. So, but after that, they most of the guys they had in the pipeline. I mean, Madison Bowie was traded to Detroit. Yep. Um. So yeah, I mean, they've cleared out guys like Riley Barber are gone. The guys that yep. they've had they had in the pipeline are are, are gone. So they're going to have to replenish, and it's going to be tough because they'll be at the bottom part of the draft usually. So they're going to have to uh, do that lower lower in and, and take some risks and hopefully re- restock the organization. What happens in this league though? You you get to a point where you're very successful. And so you get filled up on the cap, and the only way out of that is to delete, devastate your prospects, and then now you're left with what you're left with, and you got to rebuild it, like you said. Now, Russ, let's talk about, and of course, anytime we have Peter on the show, the name Jacob Truba gets mentioned. So let's talk about what we were talking about yeah. uh, this morning regarding Truba and his contract situation. Well, I mean, the Rangers are certainly trying to sign him, and the Rangers have that situation where – they could have a buyout if they want to. Uh, they could just – they have a lot of options. They could bury Brendan Smith and save, I don't know, a million or so on the cap and right. not worry about him this year. They could use that buyout option with the qualifying offer that will come on one of their players and and buy out like Mark Stahl as an example if they want to. That would free up a fair amount of money. Uh, Brett Segalas from the Post suggests they put – um, Buchnevich and uh, Nemestikov on the block. I don't. Doesn't make much sense why you would put Buchnevich on the block when you still have him under your control, and he's a Russian player that very well may click with Panarin and with Kratsov. I don't know. I don't think I would mess with that. Where Nemestikov, yeah, he's got one more year left on his deal. If somebody wants a four million dollar potential center, yeah, I think you know you might be able to at least dump him, even if you're not getting a big return. I would think those are the conventional ways to go because, again, with Chris Kreider, he's still under contract for this year. You might just need to tell Chris Kreider, you got to wait your turn here, but we're going to get to you. And and they might do that. Now, if they know that Kreider at some point is just asking for too much, then I think they're going to trade him over anybody else we just mentioned. But I don't know where they are in those negotiations. Now, Peter, it's 
not likely that it's, it would go down the same road as if it as if it would if if Truba had not been traded and was in, in Winnipeg. If he, if he was in Winnipeg, they would have they would have gone to arbitration. They would have made a one year deal, and he'd walk as a UFA. Um, he controlled this situation in terms of I will go to, to New York. So I think the odds are in favor of him signing the long term deal. But if they go to arbitration and they settle on the one year deal. They can't sign an extension until January, so if they want, and that, and anytime you push it towards, you know, push it forward, and you're three and a half months or four months away from being a UFA and being able to test the market, I think the Rangers, I think Jeff Gordon has got to strike now and get that deal done now. Otherwise, he risks potentially losing Truba in terms of wanting to test the market and see where he can go. Well, here's the other thing about this. That, that now has to go, and and Kurt Overhart and Jacob Trubin need to think about this a fair bit. Mm. If you push this to arbitration, then you decide, I'm going to see what things offer, what what's available. You have now basically lied your way through to free agency. And you have come up with cock and bull stories to fit the narrative you want. But if the idea was that you support your fiance's career as much as as she has supported you and you want to be in a place where she can pursue it because of her medical degree and New York was the one and it's all come out like that's where you wanted to be and that you're going to play hardball with the Rangers about this because everyone accommodated you. Good luck on your next deal. Good luck getting someone to trust you. Because you've now, it's all written. All the things you've said, Jacob, all the things Overheart have said, all the stuff out there is now completely available for everyone to look at of what you said, how it was important, this loving thing that you went to, you know, do anything for your fiance. Really? Because if you're going to play hardball with the, with, with, with the Rangers on this about a contract and then decide, oh, well, I'll just look elsewhere. <laughs> Because someone well, didn't do what you wanted, you're gonna. Good luck on the next I mean, one. On a smaller scale, Peter, this isn't unprecedented. Ryan Hartman did exactly this and got himself on the free agent market and ended up getting more money than he definitely would have gotten out of the Flyers just because he went went in a trade. Said, "I love Philly. Gonna love playing here." All yeah. of a sudden, he doesn't sign. He goes free agent. He gets more money. Like players are doing this now. No, no, I understand that, but this isn't. This is sort of a like. Hartman and Truba are in two different categories of this. They are. And overpaying for Hartman is a totally different thing than overpaying for Jacob Truba. Right. So what what I just think it's it, it's going to be really interesting if the same kind of hard nose tactics that were that Overheard is used in different places come now to a place that your client basically told them that he would only go be traded to so you could get some sort of return and again there's some murky there murkiness there in that yeah. reality then what was the point of anyone dealing anything for you because you just you're, you're you're saying stuff to get what you want without any consideration for the other parties in this right and if and the that, rangers that's the par- problem if the rangers are lowballing which I, I doubt but if they're if they are that might this might be the sort of tit for tat type of move that that overhard yeah. is pulling i mean if they're if they're thinking they're gonna get seven million dollars a year and the rangers are offering five and a half or six i mean i'm just using making those numbers up but i'm just saying yeah. that's the tactic right now then maybe truba is holding the rangers feet to the fire and he's playing the 
and it wasn't arbitration, but he's playing the same game that Carlson did when he got traded to San Jose. Yeah. Carlson, Carlson got traded. He didn't, he couldn't re up the, the deal until I believe January. He, he didn't resign in January. He played it out. He went all the way to, to the end of June before he signed the big mega deal. So he still had options. He could have gone free agent. And that, you know, maybe Truba in the end will sign with the Rangers. But I think right now what he's doing is he's putting pressure on the Rangers to pony up and give him what he thinks he's worth. And if they're, you know, I mean, maybe you're right, Russ. Maybe they buy out. Mark Stahl or, or, or Brendan Smith or trade Shattenkirk or something like that. But, you know, there's probably going to have to be money moved out to be able to sign him to a long-term deal. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt there'll have to be money moved out, and there's no doubt they can't even think about extending Kreider until they have some sort of resolution on the plan for Truba. But, you know, Kreider's just going to have to deal with that. I, I think yeah. there's a market for Kreider. I mean, we know he could score between 25 and 30 a year, and he's fast and he's physical. So – but he also likes it where he is. So I think I think the Rangers have to sort of, you know, do this little tightrope walk with, with Truba and and he'll probably, you know, want a certain amount of bonus money and all these other things. And I think at the end of the day, he'll get it. I just think it's taking some time. That's all. Now, um, first round picks uh, got signed yesterday. Numbers to number uh, four of them to their ELCs: Dylan Cousins of the Sabers, Simon Holmstrom of the Islanders, Lassie Thompson of the uh, Ottawa Senators, and Vinny Heinola of the of the Jets to three year ELCs. Um, I mean, I don't think we're going to see any of them in the NHL this year. Maybe an outside chance of Cousins, but I think the the thumb uh, is definitely going to. Next yeah, probably probably not. I mean, they they still haven't clarified the procedure that he had and what exactly yeah. it was. Um, a couple other signings that were curious. I know that we've talked, Russ, about Sonny Milano mm -hmm. in Columbus. He accepted the qualifying offer, which is a little under nine hundred thousand dollar a two way deal for one year. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious because I think we both came to the conclusion. I was impressed with Milano seeing him play for the Cleveland Monsters against the Marlies last year in the Calder Cup in the second round. Thought he was, you know, a different type of player than he I'd seen in previous years. I think he's sort of blocked by um, what has been going on in Columbus. You know, he was down in the minors when maybe he deserved a chance. Maybe he gets that chance this year with all the players leaving Columbus. Well, I would have thought that, but then – he and uh, AJ Greer had this dust up at a uh, at yeah. a at a nightclub in New York. So until that sort of gets settled, I don't know, and that's probably why everything is the way it is. So when that gets settled, then we'll have a better idea. I think talent wise, he definitely could play up there now. But now with this other issue, hey, I don't blame the club if they're sort of going slowly with it. Yeah, and you think of from the from the Milano perspective, if he was trying to negotiate with them, and then all of a sudden this incident happened. Right now, he says, "I'll take the qualifying offer just to lock myself in for a year," and I because yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with this whole situation. Yeah. Now, the other one, Peter, and you weren't here yesterday. The other name, there was a report yesterday that Gustav Forsling, who was traded in the deal uh, with between Carolina and Chicago, the deal that sent uh, Anton Forsberg to Carolina and uh, Dahan and Sorella to Chicago, that Forsling was going to the cage. NHL. And now today he accepts the qualifying offer from uh, the, the Hurricanes, which 
probably means that the, the the supposed KHL offer was a bluff to try to get a one-way deal. And in yeah. this instance, he takes the two-way deal. So I, I look at that and they, they signed Hayden Fleury to a one-year deal. And, you know, my narrative always is that Thomas Dundon is a cheapskate. And then this, this, and I, and I continue to believe that, um, I, I don't like the moves that they've made this year, uh, this, uh, summer, except for the Dezingle contract. But even that one, Peter, they got Dezingle at a, a low term for a lower amount than yeah. people expected. And if it wasn't a bargain, I don't think the, the hurricanes would have signed him. Well, I don't think I don't think they would have either, but they got the bargain. So, I mean, <laughs> that's all that matters. Like whether or not if Zingle was going to be four point five million dollars, and and they would have walked away from him at that price is kind of irrelevant because that's not what he signed for. And yeah. if Zingle had that offer on the table and elected to choose the Hurricanes at a million bucks cheaper, um, there's a reason for that, mm -hmm. and whether Dundon is cheap or not has no real bearing on the fact that if he's, if Waddell is getting guys to sign for um, solid numbers, then something is going right for that franchise and that capacity, whether it, whether it comes to fruition on ice is a whole other issue that we'll, we'll measure when it comes, but on paper right now, They've done a great job of dealing with some change and adding in players. And if there's a, a magic elixir here that they're figuring out on how to talk to players and stuff, some other GMs should figure out what it is because you've got guys overpaying left, right, and center somewhere. There could I mean, be a long-lasting effect here, though, Peter. And, yeah. and that is, let's say Zingle has a couple of 25-30 goal seasons. He's not accepting a deal like he accepted this year again. And no. let's say Flurry just as a decent defensive defenseman. He's not accepting after his next RFA one-year yeah. deal, which is probably coming, that kind of deal ever again. And so what they're doing is they're saving money now, but what's going to happen in three years when you look at them and, you know, the single UFA, uh, so, is going to need a big contract by then. Uh, what's going to happen in three years, if they're smart, what's going to happen is, is they're going to let – the high price guys go who can command more on the open market and they're going to fill them in with players of of similar value who don't have the ability to demand that kind of money and they're going to well, work around their better core and they're going to be smarter about this they're going to they're going to play the advantage of figuring out who they can identify to be those guys and not have to pay them as much well, okay. just remember, just remember, the, the, the guy's a hedge fund manager. The mm -hmm. science that goes into this stuff and the research and the things, it's not trying to find the best asset to buy at the top price to maximize the value you pay. Mm -hmm. right? It's the idea to find the distressed asset that no one think, believes is going to turn around and then you pay for it at a distressed level price and benefit from the profit. Well, let's just let's just say this. I think the narrative that Dundon and the Hurricanes are establishing is a narrative that will not be beneficial to them down the road when it comes to players. And I'll use the Aho situation as an example. The reports are that they were offering Aho either a one-year deal or an eight-year deal at an amount that was 
much lower. I think it was in the seven to seven and a half million dollar range. And that's why he went the offer sheet route. And in a way, I mean, first of all, he gets all the front loaded money. Second of all, he gets a five year term, which he turns UFA at age, I think, 26. So it was the best thing for him and the worst thing for Carolina. And the only way that they can recoup value on Ajo, who I don't think will sign there after five years, is if they trade Ajo next year after the 12 month moratorium happens. So I think that narrative of them being so hard that it would only offer one or eight and wouldn't compromise in the end is going to hurt them when it comes to negotiations with future players or trying to attract free agents. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, look, there, there are going to be some agents who will advise their clients to stay away and to say, this isn't the place. There's always a risk in the way you do things. That's, that's, that's obvious and it's known, but until that risk until they start screwing up on that risk there's not a reason for them to change anything yet because they're doing okay all right they're doing okay cap wise but let, let me ask you this so let let's break it down a little bit so would you rather peter they're doing a good, good job cap wise but would you rather have james reimer and peter morozik or robin leonard and alex ned yelkovic as your goaltending tandem i would rather have Leonard and the Yelkovic for the same money. Yeah, me too. It doesn't mean everything they do is right. I'm just well, like, that's my point. It's working out on the balance sheet, but my basic right. big point here is the identifying talent. They lost some people this year. Yeah. We're going to see if they're bringing in the right people to identify. Well, and that, that's it. Whenever you have turnover, it doesn't matter. I mean, look at Stan Bowman. He's been trying to do this for years. Yeah. And he's had mixed success. Yeah. Um, this is this is a normal um course of evolution for every team. Yes. And now we're gonna see what their decision making process is worth and if it if it matches up. I think the goaltending thing is the biggest issue for them. Yeah. And yeah. if they would have spent money on Leonard, they'd probably be in a much better, happier position right now. I think their goaltending is significantly worse this year with Morazic and Reimer rather than Morazic and McElhaney. McElhaney had a really good year. I know he, he probably, at 36 years old, wouldn't be able to play 35 games. Reimer's much younger, but Reimer has not been good in Florida. And I know Florida's defense, I mean, they were one of the worst, the bottom five teams defensively last year. And Reimer was probably, it was a victim of that, but Reimer has not played well since going back to Toronto. So, and I don't know how he got that contract in Florida. So it would be a renaissance for him to turn it around and be effective in Carolina. Um, okay. Wanted to touch on this, Peter, because we had you and and it was a piece in the athletic and I cannot pronounce it. Marat Atis is the name of the person yeah. who wrote it uh, regarding the jets and their their cap situation and the players that they need to sign right now, the cap, the, uh, the jets have a little over $20 million in space. Uh, obviously we know that line a and Connor are still our RFAs and they also have arbitration on Andrew cop and Neil Pionk who they got in the trade for yeah. Cuba. Um, he's, he put out here, uh, in terms of calculating what he thinks would be fair offers. But I, I look at these and I'm like, Okay, this is this is what he what he uh, speculated on. Line A, seven years at seven point one million. Kyle Connor, six years at six point eight million. Uh, arbitration settlements for Cop and Pionk, 
2.2 million for cop, 2.9 million for Pionk. Okay. There's no way in hell Patrick Line is taking 7.1 million for seven years. So we'll no. start right. No, no way. No. I think he'll, hold out. he'll hold out before yeah. that. I, I, I don't what, think what he, is going to hold out. The, the, the other thing. No, that that's he, his offer. If they say this is our offer, 7.1, he'll hold out. Oh, yeah. Right. We'll keep going that's back. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I think Look, if I, I think if they offered him seven point one on a two or three year bridge, he would take it, but not on a probably an, take less on a two or three year bridge. Right. Okay. Like and see, I I I, I think he's ha and, and you know and, and Elliot Friedman talked about this in this thing, and we can talk about that little hornet's nest of controversy that the Thirty One Thoughts podcast brewed up, where Line A basically he suggested that Line A wasn't happy playing with Wheeler and Shifley. And where did this come from? Like, where did this information come from? Because what we, everyone wants to know is he floated out something on the podcast about 37 mm -hmm. minutes in that basically rustled up a, a hornet's nest. And this is followed up by one of the Jets play-by-play -play guys saying on the local TSN radio show yesterday, um, and I might not get this right, uh, that line A... It might actually, Paul Edmonds might have said, Line found it difficult to play with Wheeler and Shifley, or it was Wheeler and Shifley found it difficult to play, didn't want to play with Line That was it. And Elliot Friedman said, Line was unhappy with the leadership group and their demands. So okay. the leadership group who wears letters are Wheeler, Shifley, and Bufflin. Right. Two of the top line members on the top line who Paul Maurice refused to split were Shifley and Wheeler. So it probably explains why we're not see there's if some if there's some some truth in all of this, we're probably seeing why there was never really a line A moved up with them or Wheeler moved away from Shifley. Mm -hmm. This is something that has to be sorted out because if you're going to sit there and let two players determine who they're playing with all the time and it's affecting the rest of your roster, which it is. Then you've got to you you've got to have your come to Jesus moment with everyone and sit down and hammer this out. Like Paul right. Maurice has to take charge of the room. He's got to use what a lot of people can see through some data analysis is that there is a problem on your second line, and the Eagles line cannot play with Brian Little. It's oil and water. It doesn't work. It, it so the easiest way to do that is to separate someone like a Blake Wheeler and move a line A up there because Wheeler is mm -hmm. a passer and Little and Wheeler have worked before, but there's reluctance to do it. And the belief is that Wheeler and Shifley won't play. So you've got all these dynamics going on. Lining you can be better. And this is the whole thing that they say. And, and Friedman put this in, in his podcast too, saying his belief that he would bet on a short-term deal and bet on himself. Right. So what's the difference to the Jets if they bridge line A at, say, 5.5 and 7 for two years? And you save a little bit of money, you get a little bit of wiggle room here. Kulikov comes off the books next year, and you do that. And then maybe you go long-term with Connor. Line A comes in, and he puts up 45 goals again. So now you come back, and he does a backtrack season. So now you're back in the, 90, the 9 million range. Is that a bad thing? Have you saved yourself? Like, have you saved? Have you saved money, or have you allowed yourself some time to figure out what your team is? Because the other thing that happens then is you also have an expansion draft, 
Right. And There's all these variables of things that happen and, and, and agents have to be aware of them too. And so do players, but if you're a line, a, what's the difference between 7.1? So f basically 49.9 million or 40, almost say, let's just say 50 million. Okay. Right. 50 million for the next seven years versus potentially 63 million for the next seven years. But your next contract might be on totally different terms because of the new CBA. And and Bufflin's the deal drops off in two years. And Bufflin's deal drops off two years. And there the there's an expect expected uh, a sizable increase in the cap in two years when the new uh, TV contract in the U.S. Yeah. So, so it, there's yeah. a lot of things here. Like I, I I don't understand the panic around the Jets and cap space. It's working with your team and your assets. And if you have to if you have to buy out Kulikov for one year. To make it work, then maybe you do. Like, right. You know what I would do, Peter? Honestly, if I were the GM, I would um I would sign line A for I would say, listen, here's our offer to you. It's eight and a half million for four years. Yeah. Let's, let's see what you are in four years. If you don't like that, our intention is to bridge you. Just so you know, that's what you know, we'll pay a high bridge and we're gonna go through this all over again. So it's your or or, or or do exactly what the Leafs did with Matthews. Do, do the like not the same numbers but the same yeah. process yeah right yeah. like no one no team wants to go front heavy on deals like that not named basically New York Toronto or Montreal okay right. we know that no one wants to it's a cash flow thing and yes they have cash and stuff but it's still a cash flow thing they don't want to do it they do it to maintain an advantage and keep players happy that's why you don't right. see it that often but the Jets can do it. They have the ability to do it. It's whether they want to go and go down that road and does it set a precedent in other situations. But they do have a budget. We don't know exactly. They have a budget. They have a budget. They can do it. Like they have a guy who has enough money. They're their co-owner or minority owner, so to speak, has enough money to buy every team in the league. Right. Like, that's how wealthy he is. It, but it doesn't mean that you sit and just throw money at things because, oh, I can throw money. Right. It, it, it means you 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 tap that resource when it's appropriate and makes strategic and business sense. I don't think it's makes strategic and business sense this moment, but if that's the way to find harmony with line a, I think you could do it if he was open to it. But again, you got to be real sure you think Patrick line is going to be a bit different player than he was last season. Yeah. And, and the other, the other, the other offers that uh, were in, in this, in this article, the Connor deal, that's speculated is basically the Neilander deal. It's six point yeah. eight. Neilanders yeah. was six point nine. Um, I personally, Connor scoring thirty goals, I think he should probably get a little a little more than Neilander. But Neilander's deal was at the high end for him, so maybe they think a, a deal on par would would be, you know, fair. Um, the cop thing, two point two million for two years. I, I don't know if I, anybody would have a problem with that. Russ. I have a problem with Neil Pionk at 2.9 million when Pionk scored 26 points last year, only played part part time the previous year. He's really an unproven commodity, and you're going to give him three million bucks for two years? Not a chance. I agree. They're desperate. Like they they're going to have to. Like that's that's what the, they're in a spot with that, and Pionk's going to you know take advantage of it. They, there's really no way out of that. You know, looking at Liney, we shouldn't kill him too much because he's 21 and he no. only scored 30 goals. The problem is he only had 20 assists. So when you look when we look at line A down the road, 
is he literally just a one-dimensional goal scorer? And he really, he very well may be. There's a right. limit to what you want to pay that guy because Kucherov is a little better than a, a one-dimensional goal scorer, but it was looked yeah, at that way. He's a playmaker too. He's a he playmaker a play too. I, you know, there's not that many one-dimensional goal scorers anymore in this league. There's not. No, but I mean, to the to the point that Peter oh, was talking about, but he's not in Ovechkin territory. To the, to the point that Peter was talking about regarding Line A playing with playing with uh, Shifley and Wheeler, Line A is sort of a black hole. If you pass it to him, it's not coming back. Right, he's yeah. going to shoot. And you know those play, those players are valuable because you can put the puck in the net. But if you're a guy like Shifley and you're a guy like Wheeler who wants your cookies too, you're never getting the puck back. So it's probably better that they he plays separately from them. I mean, I just – I look at it, and I'd have to say, unfortunately, I would have a limit to what I would pay Patrick Line because he's a one-dimensional goal scorer. That's the problem here. Now, yeah. um, we we got a uh, we got a question from uh, the Center Ice Philly uh, Twitter feed yeah, yeah. Regard, regarding Ristolainen. And I write and, for them, so we'll answer it based on that. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and this is the thing because I know Peter – like. After the trade of Yokoharu for uh, Alex Nylander um, and the, the realization that the Sabres have seven right-hand shot defensemen in their organization, uh, obviously the speculation has picked up regarding trading Ristolainen. And I know from what I've learned around here is that you know they want either a second-line center or a top-six right winger. That is their price for Ristolainen. And if they don't get it, they're not trading them. Now, Elliot Friedman in the same 31 Thoughts podcast speculated about Anthony Mantha. And, and that would make sense because they're comparable age. Uh, he's under control. I think he is a top six guy, but I don't know how willing Iserman would be to trade Mantha. I, I, I personally think that Winnipeg would be a good fit, but it's a question of what Winnipeg would be willing to give up for Ristolainen. and would they give up would they would they give up Ehlers is a left winger, not a right winger, correct? Giving up Ehlers can play both. He played right all through junior, but he's a left shot. Okay. Giving up Ehlers to Ristolainen would be a fireable offense. <laughs> yeah. Let's not even talk that. I don't think the Jets need Ristolainen. I, I I have questions about him. You'd be I want to buy him far below market what people think market value is. I think you. There's a lot of questions. Like I have gone to bat for him, for Rissalainen, but I think there are a lot of questions that need to be answered about him before you pony up. And mm -hmm. that it, it may be like getting a player out of Edmonton where things are just so messed up that Lester name McDavid or Drysaddle, you really don't know what they are. But that's a that's a big buyer beware issue right now. Well, let's let's talk about all these right-handed shots though. For one thing, Yokoharu probably starts the year with Rochester because the right. only reason he played with Chicago is because they were desperate. So he played, he had a good shot on the power play. They sheltered him otherwise. So that's right. one left right-handed shot. Uh, is Bogosian being included in that? Yes, but he won't be. He won't be playing until the year, and who knows when he's playing? No, probably they say November, but it could be November of 2020. Right. So now that's two defenders down from that list. Who else is on that list? Uh, Montour, Montour, Miller, Casey Nelson, Bogosian, Yokoharu, uh, uh, Will Borgen, right? 
And um, I'm I'm drawing a blank on one. Okay. But even Will Borgen is not a guarantee that he will make the team. He's going to have a chance, but he's not a guarantee. So if I'm Buffalo, you know what? If I don't get that offer, I'm holding on to Ristolainen. I'm not rushing this trade. Yeah. I'm not yeah. rushing this trade at all because there's still a lot of questions on that blue line. And then that's yeah, and that's exactly. this would be selling low if you were going to, and yeah. and maybe that's all he is. But you got to fix some things internally before you start doing stuff like that. And, and frankly, all you need is evidence of last year's Ryan O'Reilly trade to just say slow the heck down. And yeah. that's why they're, that's why I think they're only trading them if they if Jason Botterill perceives what he's getting as a return as a home run. It's not, it's not, we're desperate to move him and we got to move him. It's okay. If we get what we think he's worth, then we'll do it. But they're looking for a second line center. I think they're wary of putting all the pressure on middle stat to be the number two center behind Eichel at 20 years old. And they really don't. I mean, right now, Connor Sheary could be one of their top six right wingers. It's Sam Reinhardt, Connor Sheary, uh, Olson, the rookie from uh, that, that they got from the SHL last year, who had a really good year in Rochester. You know, they're not very deep on the right side. So, um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. But you, you may you may be right, Russ. They may wait until the deadline when he he could reap a big reward if he has a good year and he's got two years left on a contract, and they might be positioned to get something really good. Uh, right. One, one yeah. second, though. One thing to explore with Peter that I still think is worth exploring with Winnipeg. You got two years left on Dustin Bufflin. The numbers are going down. He's 34 years old. When are you trading him? You're not going to let him ride into UFA, are you? It won't be this season, but maybe next season. Yeah. Okay. At the draft in Montreal, which we'll all be at. Yeah. Um, Okay, now um, Eric Dehachik of The Athletic wrote something pretty interesting um, regarding the Canucks and the uh, Edmonton Oilers and also the Flames. Uh, he said, with the Furlan signing in Vancouver last week, the chances of Milan Lucic going back home have shrunk to all but zero. Um, that The speculation was a Louis Erickson for Lucic deal. Lucic has a year longer than Erickson, so that I think it's four years left at $6 million, where Erickson has three years at $6 million. Um, he said a Milan Lucic for James Neal swap between Edmonton and Calgary, which I can't remember the last time there was a trade between those two teams. Who said that? Um, Eric Dehachik. Okay. Um, that, that, that deal would make some sense to both teams because Neal clearly is not working out in Calgary and Lucic is a total disaster in Edmonton. Yeah. I don't know if those two teams will would trade, and I don't know whether – you know, Neil's year in Calgary was so bad that they would be willing to take Lucic back for him, Russ. Well, I do think it was bad enough that they might be willing to do that. But I honestly think it doesn't serve either team's purpose. It really doesn't. Even if you want to give me the change of scenery thing, they're both guys that are on the way down. They both can't skate. They both. So what is it that's going to change for one of these two teams other than well, maybe we'll play him less or we'll play him on the fourth line. But, like, I just don't see a benefit for either team or any potential upside. Somebody tried to trade me, as an example, Neil in, in fantasy hockey, right? And I said, why would I want a guy who can't skate in the league anymore? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, unless so they – The same thing you'd say about Lucic. Right. Yeah. Like it's, Unless both teams think that it's it's more geography than it is their game failing, that they could fit on another team in a different role 
Um, I mean, I mean, I thought that was a possibility with the Erickson thing because Lucic would be going home, and you know, he'd he'd be that sort of like quasi enforcer to protect Pedersen. But now that they got Furlan for three for half, almost half the price, they don't really need Lucic. And yeah. if he's relegated to a fourth fourth line role this year, then you know what? Ken Holland's going to have to suck it up and buy him out. Well, he he may or may not do that, but he might just suck it up and have him on the fourth line. The other thing about Neil is they rested him in a playoff game. Like, they just sat him. Yeah. Like, now you want that player? Really? I don't think so. Um, and there was a report in the Edmonton Journal. We'll take a couple questions, one right at 2 o'clock here. But uh, there was a report in the Edmonton Journal that uh, there is a sort of a game of chicken going on between Ken Holland and the agent for Yessi Pugliarvi. Pugliarvi, is, uh, his representative, came out and said that if Pugliarvi wasn't moved, he would go to play in the KHL. Well, the KHL training camp starts in a couple weeks um, nothing has happened so far, and essentially they think that Holland is calling Pugliarvi's bluff. Um, I, I think he has value, Russ, but if they're getting nothing for him and he was a third or fourth overall pick, then they're not going to trade him. They'll let him go to the KHL if he, yeah. or or threaten to, and they have his rights. So yeah, on his rights if he does something there. I mean, honestly, if, if I'm Ken Holland, if nobody has given me a fair offer – I would be like, hey, kid, if you want to go play in the KHL, go ahead. I mean, what, but okay, based on what he has done in his NHL career so far, based on the fact that he had double hip surgery this offseason, what is he worth? A second-round pick? Yeah, I think you could still get a second-round pick for him, but the issue is what's probably being talked about at this point, even though he's only 21 – it's probably not even physical. It's probably the hockey sense. And so you have to sort of see if he has recovered physically, can we make him an NHL or hockey sense wise? Can we get him to do enough where, you know, he's getting more than 20 points in 65 games. He had 12 goals. That's great. And then the year after he had nine points in 46 games. Can we do more than that? Cause if they don't think they can, they're not going to offer even a second rounder. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll take a couple questions in the chat and then we'll call it a day. Uh, Russ, okay. do we have any? First one was, what are all those wires that Peter had? That's a question for me. What is his head? I was curious. What are all those what? Wires. You had a bunch of wires in your head. Oh, this is just uh, headphones. Oh, the headphones. Picking them up. They're sitting over there. <laughs> I was just curious. Rush, yeah. Rush from New Jersey asks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know what are all those wires? Damn it. Uh, let's see. Uh, there are questions, so give me one. Mike from Buffalo wants to know: Is it balmy in Winnipeg today? There you go. No. No. It's, it's hotter than Satan's asshole. It's <laughs> it's brutal. I just got back from five days sort of vacation time. We go to a huge folk fest out of, out here. It's an awesome time, and, and yeah. we camp at the provincial park where it's held. It's an amazing week. We had friends from BC come out. We had a humidex that got up to 38 degrees on Sunday. You couldn't walk 10 feet without dripping in sweat. <laughs> Not only that. That's like 100 degrees Fahrenheit, right? That's yeah, over 100. about 98 Wow. Not only that, 
a direct hit on Sunday morning at about 7.30 of the mother of all storms. Like uh. just crazy, crazy thunderstorms. And then the same thing happened again on Monday morning. Mm. You want to see a whole bunch of unhappy campers. Uh. That was... <laughs> just and it, and then it just got hotter than Hades after that. That's funny. Mike had asked in the chat room, "Is Ilya Samsonov NHL ready for Washington?" No, I think what happens what happens to Samsonov is a cautionary tale for the Rangers with Shishurkin and eventually the Islanders with Sorokin. It's nice to say, "Hey, you're a great KHL goalie," but when you're used to playing over there and not used to playing in North America, the angles are different, and a lot of things change as a result. So Samsonov had a bad first half of the year last year in the AHL and then rebounded into the second. You don't want to put him in the NHL yet. You want to give him another AHL year and then yeah. see where he's at because he needs to have a full good year under his belt. And they have an adequate backup in Phoenix Copley, so yeah. they'll go with Hopi and Copley. But Hopi is a UFA after this year. Now, if they right. resign him, then – you know, may, then maybe Sam Sonoff is trade bait, but I think they're going to play him a full year in the American Hockey League, and then if he plays well, you know, maybe they maybe they roll the dice and let Holtby go and yeah. or trade him at the deadline. But I they're going to be a contender, so I I, I would think um, just one just one note, uh, and we'll take one more question and then get going. Um, we're welcoming back Ty Anderson to Hockey Buzz. He's going to be doing a couple columns uh, a week for for the site, uh, not Bruin stuff, but more league league wide stuff. And he'll be making the occasional appearance on the uh, on the Buzzcast. Uh, right. So welcome back to Ty, uh, Russ. One more, one or two more questions. Okay, Bardicus one wants to know what the heck is Fenton doing in Minnesota? Why does he want to move Zucker? Well, he's he's clearing out cap space and. I don't think he necessarily wants to move Zucker. I think he wanted to see what offers were because Zucker has a salary of over $5 million that extends out farther than he like for whatever his cap plans are. He's still there. So obviously he, you know, he hasn't tried to push him out or anything. You know, I, I and we can talk about this tomorrow. I find it difficult to, to, for somebody to make a case that Minnesota is not going to finish dead last in the, in the Central. Because the rest of the teams in that division are either better or have improved so much that I don't know whether they they get out of the basement. We'll talk we'll talk about that tomorrow. But I, I maybe that's maybe that's a bold statement, but I don't think it is. I, I think Colorado's improved, Nashville, Winnipeg, Chicago has gotten better, St. Louis won the cup. I mean one question that we're not gonna answer is from Mike, how many points does Jack Hughes get this season? We went over that last week. Go find the episode. All right. The next one is, and and actually, and another major website the day after or two days after asked the same question. So that's they've been watching our show. So I'm not doing that. Um, but Toronto Greenhouse asked, will there be another offer sheet? No. I really don't think there will be because again, with if we're talking about Marner, you don't want to give up the four firsts, like Mike said, for a four-year deal. That is just not worth it for any player on earth. It's just not right. worth it. And at this point, I think that teams feel like they would be helping Marner and the Leafs by doing the offer sheet in some way and don't want to do that either. I think – and sorry sorry for that guy who left the comment. We're going to talk – to finish off the show and just talk about this for a second. I think the Portsline report about Marner was very revealing in the sense that the of the pulse around the league. 
the Blue Jackets don't believe that Marner wants to play anywhere else other than Toronto and that Toronto will match anything unless it's something ridiculous like paying them at the level of McDavid. That goes a long way for NHL teams. They're saying, well, we're not going to get the guy anyway. All he's interested in is signing a deal that is that that Toronto will match and maximizes his chances. So in that instance, why would they do it? They wouldn't. They'd be doing the Leafs, and they'd be doing Marner a favor. Right. All right. Good show, guys. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Peter Tessier, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.